How are we all this morning? Great, because I'm here to depress you this morning. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not here to depress you this morning. But we are, we're talking this morning about two things that they say are inevitable, and that is death and taxes. Anybody start their taxes yet? No? You didn't start? You better get going. The 15th is, you know, it's coming. April 15th is coming. April 15th, it'll be here before you know it, and then everybody's scrambling to get to the the post office at midnight, right? Um, Well, this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, not so much taxes, but more about death. Uh, The task of an accountant is to minimize the taxes that people pay. And I've read somewhere, I don't remember where exactly, that the task of a pastor is to prepare people for a good death. For a good death. You know, that, that's, I don't know, that's an interesting claim. But it, the claim might not be wrong, after all. I mean, the claim just might be the most succinct and at the same time complete description of the pastoral vocation ever written. I don't know. We'll, we'll look at that. But this morning, we're going to be talking about Stephen. And I've entitled this, I've entitled this sermon, Good Life, Good Death. And so I'm reminded because, as my mother uh, mentioned earlier, we had a passing of my, my Uncle Fonso. Uh, there was a memorial service that we all went to, and um, it was a difficult thing for a lot of us. But I don't think anyone there at the service would, would disagree with me in that Fonso, I mean, he was a deacon of the church. He was much loved by everyone. He was very active in that ministry. Uh, I'm not saying that he was a perfect man, but he lived a good life, and in such, he lived a good, you know, he had a, a good death, and that people were, there, there was oftentimes, you know, you have these sad situations where someone dies and no one shows up. We went to the funeral home and the place was packed. You know, there was, it was standing room only. And it was a reflection of his life and of his ministry, and it, it just might be that the one who is the most equipped to live the Christian life to the full is the one who is most prepared for a good death. It just might be. If that's true, then it might be that preparing people for a good death in the grace and power of God is precisely the same thing as equipping people to live a full life in the grace and power of God. Chapters 6 and 7 of the book of Acts tell the story of Stephen. Stephen has the distinction of being the first Christian martyr, the first follower of Jesus that was killed for his faith. And if, you're, if, you're, if you know anything about the Mennonite history, and we have a book called uh, The Martyr's Mirror, and in there are many, many pages of other individuals who paid the ultimate price and, and, and were martyred because of their love, and because of their faith and, 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 and devotion to our Lord and Savior. This story is a story of a good death. Not because Stephen was martyred, no. The story is the story of a good death because Stephen was prepared. He was prepared. And we're going to look at that 
Because every indication is that Stephen's story has a lot to say about the characteristics of not only a good death, but also a full life. As a follower of Jesus, Stephen faced death without fear. As a follower of Jesus, Stephen faced death with no bitterness in his heart. As a follower of Jesus, Stephen faced death with his eyes focused squarely on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a follower of Jesus, Stephen knew the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. So Stephen faced death without fear. Not without conflict, not without persecution, not without suffering, not without grief, not without trouble, not without pain, not without a lot of things that most of us would just as soon do without, but he faced it without fear. By the grace and power of God, Stephen's ministry gained a lot of attention in the community. Acts 6, verses 8 through 10 reads, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So he had opposition. His opponents were outspoken in in their criticism of him and his message and his ministry. Public debates were like a common thing with Stephen, apparently. Stephen won all the debates, according to the scriptures. He, 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 He routed their arguments every time. But that just made them angrier and more upset. And so then we see that they secretly induced a man to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him into the council. Let me tell you, things did not look good for Stephen. Things didn't look good. I mean, would you blame Stephen if he was a little bit worried at this point? I mean, if he was a little bit, you know, going, what's going on? Oh my goodness, what's happening here? Would you blame him for that? I mean, I wouldn't blame him. You had a whole council of people, all of the leaders and, 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 and uh, important individuals of, the, of, the, of his community come and take him and, and bring him before a council to judge him. I'd be a little worried. But Acts chapter 6, verse 15 says, And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. The face of an angel. That his face looked like an angel could mean a lot of things. I don't, you know, it's, I don't know if it was surrounded by an aura of light or what it might be, but I'm pretty sure that one of the things that it means is that they saw in Stephen's face serenity and confidence, that there was this overwhelming sense of peace about Stephen. What they did not see in Stephen's face was worry, They didn't see fear. They didn't see any of those things. And Stephen answered their charges not with a defense of himself, but with a proclamation of God's faithfulness throughout the generations. If you read the sermon, the the, the whole explanation that Stephen gives, he shows how God is faithful throughout all generations. He challenged his opponents to see their own unfaithfulness in the mirror of their ancestry, because they, were, they, they like to rely, they like to point to Abraham 
and say, Abraham is our father. They like to point to Moses and say, you know, and they like to, 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 to bring out their lineage. But he, he showed them their, their, the, their own unfaithfulness in the unfaithfulness of the, the Israel, Israelites throughout that whole, because I mean, as, as our Lord tells us, there is, not a, there is not a prophet that was not persecuted. He spoke the truth with clarity and directness and with no fear. Around Stephen, anger turned to rage. I mean, when they were faced with this truth, when they were faced with the reality of their ancestry and with the reality of their own actions, their, their, their anger turned to rage. They dragged him out of the city. They began throwing stones at him. Stephen stood utterly without fear. Stephen faced death without fear. Stephen was prepared to face death without fear because by the power and grace of God, Stephen learned in life to trust in Christ without fear. Stephen was prepared to face death without fear because Stephen was equipped to live a life without fear. Stephen knew who his Savior was. Stephen knew through reading the scriptures what his purpose was in life. And he was fulfilling that, and he knew that by walking in the light and being obedient to Christ and to his commands, that there was nothing to fear. As a follower of Jesus, Stephen faced death with no bitterness in his heart. I mean, here he is, dragged out of the city, and stones were falling all around him. They were falling around like hail, and he was being hit left and right. The text says that he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knew he was about to die. He understood that. Some of the stones hit their target. The impact forced him to his knees. If anybody, anyone at all, had a good reason to be angry and bitter, Stephen did. The rage of the others was literally killing him. But did he return their rage for his own rage? No. He did not rage. Instead, he prayed. He prayed, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. By God's grace and power, Stephen faced death without fear, but by by God's grace and power, Stephen decided also to forgive his attacker. That's incredible. That's astounding. That's like, wow. To not only only to face his death without fear, but then to look upon those who were throwing the stones, who were falsely accusing him, who had dragged them out of their city for proclaiming the truth of Christ, and and to, and to, to petition the Lord to not hold this against them to speak on their behalf, and to to forgive them with all of his heart. Sometimes as we grow older, and as the years pass, old wounds can surface, unresolved hurts can emerge, things we thought we had put behind us can kind of bubble to the surface. And if we get to that point... In, in, in our lives, where we look back and, and, 
and, and we have not lived as Stephen lived with this, with this ability to forgive those who are persecuting him, with this ability to forgive at all. We, don't, we haven't used that muscle of forgiveness. If we allow that to become weak, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Goes on to say, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. By this, many become defiled. Bitterness makes a good death impossible. Impossible. Forgiveness makes a good death beautiful. Death's door is a hard place is a hard, hard place to learn forgiveness. Forgiveness needs to be practiced throughout our entire lives. As soon as we are forgiven, as we understand God's forgiveness through Christ in our own lives, we need to begin exercising that in our lives to others. In order for for us to be free from bitterness, when death's door is near, we need to practice Forgiveness throughout our lives. Stephen faced death with no bitterness in his heart, with a readiness to forgive because by God's grace and by his power, he practiced in life the art, and truly it is an art, of forgiveness. And each day, each time, we, every day we have opportunities. We can't drive down the street without having an opportunity to forgive someone who's just cut us off or flipped us the bird or, you know, done something else, gotten in our way. We need to, our life needs to be a continual, constant practice of forgiveness. As a follower of Jesus, Stephen faced death with his eyes focused squarely on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When opposition rose, Stephen kept his eyes focused right on his Lord. He didn't concern himself about his own standing in the community. He wasn't worried about himself or his own ambitions. He didn't concern himself with avoiding conflict for the sake of avoiding conflict, which we often do. You know, let's agree to disagree. No, let's work it out. He didn't concern himself with himself. When the struggle came his way, Stephen concerned himself with Jesus, with his word, with his commandments, with living his life obediently, living a life that brought glory and honor to his Lord and Savior. That's what, Jesus, that's what Stephen concerned himself with. Acts 7, 55 through 56 says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I suspect, I really believe that Stephen was accustomed to focusing on Jesus. I think he made it a daily practice. I think as we examine our own lives, we need to see whether or not we also are focusing each day on Christ. Do we wake up each morning and do we say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me this morning? How is it, can I, how is it that I can glorify you this morning? I suspect that he that Stephen was accustomed to focusing on Jesus. I suspect that Stephen was prepared to face death with his eyes focused on Jesus because he lived his life that way. 
He lived his life with, with complete and total focus on his Lord and Savior, with Jesus at the center of his life. And because of that, he was prepared to face death. He was no Superman. Stephen was no Superman. He was a regular Joe, just like you and I. He had hardships, he had troubles. I'm sure he made mistakes, I'm sure he sinned. I'm sure there were things in his life that he was not proud of. But he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And what we can learn from that is both of these gifts, both of these things that he was full of, that the, that the scriptures tell us that he was full of, both of these things are available to you and I. All we need to do is ask. And the Lord is sure to give us more faith. You know, as that gentleman said, Lord, you know, I lack faith. I, I, I can't. Give me more faith. Give me faith. Help me believe. We can ask, Holy Spirit, come fill my cup so that it is overpouring, so that it is flowing out from me at all times. That should be our prayer, because just like Stephen, we need both those things. As a follower of Jesus, Stephen knew Scripture. He knew it very well. Matter of fact, he spends an entire chapter, more than a chapter, quoting, going through the Old Testament. He didn't just know Scripture as ancient history, though. I mean, it wasn't just like a history lesson for him. No, he knew Scripture as God's story. He knew Scripture as his own story. He understood his place in Scripture. He understood where he was, where, where the story began and ended, but also where he fit in. He understood the world around him according to the Scriptures. He understood the fallenness and the mess and all of this that, 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 we, that we live in every day of our lives, he understood how that fit into Scripture. He interpreted the world around him according to Scripture. When they were stoning him, when they were persecuting he understood that Christ said, you will be persecuted for, for, for acknowledging me, for glorifying me, for, for praising my name. There are going to be people who will want to kill you. He's heard these, he's, he's heard, I don't know if you heard them personally from Christ himself, or you heard them preached from Peter or someone else, but he knew these things. He understood it. And he lived his life in the world around him according to it. He was immersed in Scripture. Most Jews at the time, were immersed in scriptures. I mean, he was surrounded by the council who were made up of elders and scribes and, and all of these different people who themselves were immersed in scripture. That's probably why the Sanhedrin even listened to Stephen. As long as they did, I mean, he went on and on and on describing the entire history of, of the nation of Israel. They heard him telling the stories they all knew, Stephen's story, their stories, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Solomon. I mean, he'd all, he hit all the big ones. In fact, if you want a quick overview of, of almost the whole, old, the whole Old Testament, you know, just read chapter 7. He goes through it all, pretty much. 
It reminds me of a story that I heard on, um, on the Word FM. There was a, and my wife were talking about this the other day, there was a, there was a, a couple, that I guess they were, they were interviewing them, and he was, uh, they were very, both very athletic, and his wife had gotten, uh, his wife had gotten some type of cancer, and, I mean, he was devastated. The gentleman was just, they, they sat there in the doctor's office, and he heard this news, and, 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 you know, he was trying to put up the big front. He was trying to put up the big, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm super Christian guy, and I'm not going to be concerned about this because I know God has got this all taken care of. But in reality, he was falling apart inside. And, and as he started to leave the doctor's office, he was crying out. He cried out vocally so that people could hear him, not my baby. Not my baby, Lord. Because he knew what it meant for his wife. And the story goes on to tell us how they spent the, the rest of the day just in tears and sobbing and, and being upset. But eventually, later on that same day, or, or maybe the next day, his wife, as they were in this time of mourning, his wife, his wife started quoting scripture. And soon it became a kind of almost like a competition. He would, they, she would quote a scripture, and she, he would quote something back and back and forth. And they, would, they did this all day long, and they just quoted scripture back and forth one to another. And by the, by the end of that day, there was a joy that they had because of the scriptures, because of God's promises and God's you know, encouragement to them. So when the circumstances of Stephen's life reached crisis proportions, Stephen drew on Scripture to interpret what was happening. He responded to what was happening to find encouragement in what was happening. He drew on Scripture to understand his world, to understand why all of this was happening. And not only to understand it, but then to be able to face it and overcome it. By the grace and power of God, Stephen found the reassurance to face life and death without fear in Scripture. By God's grace and power, Stephen found the resources to forgive in Scripture. He looked to Scripture and he was able to forgive others. By the grace and power of God, Stephen knew Jesus was, was the promised Messiah because of the witness of Scripture. And Stephen was also prepared, because of the grace and power of God, for a good death. In part, because he lived and breathed Scripture. I read Stephen's story, and really, it makes me, I just want to pray. I just want to pray for us, that we, as followers of Christ can be like Stephen. I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that by your grace and by your power, fill us with faith and the Holy Spirit. Father God, in your grace and power, equip us to live and die without fear. Father God, in your grace and power, equip us to forgive. And I'm not talking about, oh, that's okay, or, but to truly forgive those hurts and those things that occur in our life, Lord. 
Father God, by your grace and power, equip us to live and to breathe Scripture so that we view the world through the lens of Scripture and not Scripture through the lens of the world. By your grace and power, Lord, we pray that you fill us with faith and the Holy Spirit prepare us for a good death, O Lord. And even more, prepare us that we might live a full, full life as Stephen lived. Lord, we thank you for all of these things. And we pray this in the name of your precious Son, Christ Jesus.